Hi, I'm your host, Rowan Tonkin, and welcome to Being Planful, the show for FPNA leaders and planning experts. Paul, welcome to Being Planful. It's really nice to have you joining us. Uh, for those that don't know, Paul Barnhurst is today's guest. And uh, and if you're not on LinkedIn and you're not following Paul, I encourage you to quickly go over to LinkedIn, type in Paul Barnhurst. You're going to find a lot of people there. He's the director of FPNA at Solera Inc. And uh, and follow Paul. He's got some great daily musings around all things FPNA. Super interesting. And and Paul, great to have you on the show. Uh, I'd love to let you introduce yourself outside of just being the FPNA guy on LinkedIn. Thanks, Rowan. I appreciate that. And, you know, I'm really excited to be here. A lot of fun. And, you know, like I said, FPNA guy on LinkedIn. Enjoy that. A little bit, you know, just kind of brief introduction about myself. I've been working in FPNA now for about 12 years. I graduated in 2008 from my MBA. And originally, I thought I wanted to go into investment banking, but I graduated during the financial crisis. And, <laughs> That was not the right time to go into investment banking. And so I ended up uh, landing at American Express, started working in the business for about a year, did some financial analyst stuff, and that led to an opportunity to work in FPNA. And I've been there the last you know, 12 years, basically, doing FPNA. Today, I work for a company called Solera. We're a global uh, automotive software business. We operate in 80 countries. I support two of our businesses in the US, our dealer business and aftermarket. So we probably have about 100,000 different customers we support and you know, provide uh, business support for all the different areas of the business, have a team I work with. Right, so 100,000 different customers. That's, uh, that's a lot of customers to sift through. So in terms of the teams that you support today, um, what, what parts of the business do you support as, as the, the finance business partner? Yeah, so our team, we have ownership of the full P&L for the business unit but we don't forecast everything. So it's a matrix organization. The, the product and development expense side, we have a separate team that forecasts that globally because they've centralized it. We have a couple centers of excellence and they did the same thing with IT and then global financial systems and the finance piece, that's, that's forecasted centrally. So I have ownership of the sales, you know, all, all the revenue, all the account management, the operations, any of the executive team, any of the legal that sits in the business, the marketing pieces. So pretty much all of what we consider, most of what's OPEC, OPEX and SGNA, we have some call centers, have ownership for that as well. So all the fun stuff, all the fun go to market stuff, everything, mm -hmm. all the boring stuff's been sent to global uh, and you're probably pretty happy about that. <laughs> I, I don't miss not having to forecast IT. I've definitely done my share <laughs> of IT. I've done some P&D and I, I, you know, P&D is good, but yes, I prefer much more the sales, the marketing, the revenue, partnering on growing the business versus just the expense side of the P&L. Yeah. It's important, obviously, but if, I, if I'm picking one, I'm taking the, the revenue and the sales side. You know, the marketing guys are pretty nice, I've heard. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll say that the marketing guys are awesome. Uh, I've <laughs> never met your marketing team, but they're marketers, they've got to be great. Um, so, so talk to me a little bit. You, you've been on a bit of a journey there at Solera. Um, you've had some really interesting kind of transformation going on and, and that's led to a lot of finance transformation, which when we were preparing for this, you were talking about was some really kind of fun stuff that you got to, to, to 
you know, lead and, and work within. I'd love you to tell our listeners a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So it's been a really interesting journey. Uh, Solera went private. We were bought by Vista in 2016. I joined about a, a year later. And when I joined, briefly before I joined, they had switched CFOs. And so the CFO had one vision for the location I was at that had just left. The new CFO had a different idea. So I was hired in with certain expectations that never, never materialized. So I started out working on actually putting a planning system in place, looked at host analytics, looked at, you know, all the different ones out there. Planful now was host analytics at the time. And, you know, we made a decision to go with the planning tool and then corporate said no. So then we said, okay, we'll use the corporate tool. We wrote all the requirements. We got the corporate person involved, selected the vendor, did all the work. And then they said, no, we're going to put it on hold. And so we never quite implemented what we had planned. We've done a number of other things. But then my job changed. And so it's kind of my second job. I started to support the regional CFO. And then where things kind of got really interesting is the, the, out, the uh, owner was, was ousted as the CEO. And you know Vista came in and overhauled the company because we'd really been operating as a holding company. We'd done 60 acquisitions wow. or more over the life of the company. So in a 10-year period, I think at the height, they did 54 acquisitions, so one a quarter. Wow. So you, you can imagine how, and they were operated as holding companies. So we had, you know, systems and processes different everywhere throughout the company. And Vista really got heavily involved as private equity does and said, hey, let's streamline this. So mm-hmm. over the last 18 months, you know, we've overhauled our inside sales org. We made a change of about 60% of that. We're now rolling that all out globally. You know, we standardized a lot of our operations. We are working on standardizing, you know, the way our call centers operate and just doing what you nor- normally see in an operational business. And with that, I've had the opportunity to get heavily involved in sales, done a little bit of sales operations, helping design commission plans, working with our head of sales, you know, uh, some of the go-to-market stuff, working very closely with product and pricing. So beyond just your typical FP&A, Sorry about that. My daughter's asking me for something. <laughs> no worries. This is the life we live. Thankfully, mine are uh, mine are at daycare today, so you won't see them running past, which is uh, which is always helpful. Yeah, no. Thanks about that for understanding. It is the world we live in, right? You see the photo yeah. bombs. Of- <laughs> <laughs> They're called kid bombs or dog bombs now, and I think we're you know, over a dozen episodes in and I still haven't heard my dog bark on the podcast, which has been absolutely shocking because he, he sits just over there. Um, and uh, for some reason, he's never managed to make it. So let's see how we go through this episode. Oh, <laughs> well, that's pretty good. So yeah, so like I said, you know, worked on commission plans, worked a lot on pricing, a lot with product and really very hands-on. Got to really be a business partner in addition to the traditional forecasting and variance commentary and all things that go with finance and FP&A. Yeah, so let's let's lean in. There's some some of the areas there that you've talked about are um, are interesting topics for me. Specifically, something like um, you know commission and you know getting FP&A into the commissions process and helping understand. Um, not only how uh, fiscal impacts, but what does that really material drive for the business and, you know, doing all of that kind of commission modeling, commission understanding. So talk through some of that in as much detail as you can with obviously out leaving out who's the best performer and who's going to, who's. (laughs) Yeah. So we, you know, our, the organization, we have hundreds, hundreds of people all together, but the primary business that I've 
I uh, worked in two different areas, but one of the business we worked on was a lot of account managers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, historically, there have been a lot of different approaches over time to the different teams. And so we were trying to standardize it. And, you know, when I took the job, I had never calculated commissions. Yeah, I'd worked with account executive some, but had never been involved in it. And then I'm getting asked to help put the new plans in place and working with the salesperson and putting out ideas. And, you know, I learned a ton of just the importance of understanding incentives, how salespeople work, that it's so much more than just a finance exercise. Yeah. Right. That there are some people that just look at sales plans and say, okay, it's just hygiene. What's the right rate to pay? Let's minimize our risk and put in some kind of cap. Let's, you know, do quota ratcheting or whatever and be done with it. And, you know, really working with a salesperson has really helped me see and talking to all these different people that you know, it, it's really the blueprint for the salesperson, right? You give them a plan and they look at it and go, okay, I needed to do this if I want to earn this. And you got to make sure, is that what I want, you know, the results of what that will be to the business, right? Have I really thought through this right? And am I incentivizing them, right, with accelerators and things like that? So, it was a, it was just a you know, great opportunity and get to see different people's thinking. Cause first I worked with one group, then we reorganized our inside cells and I just moved into a new role where I'd taken on additional responsibility. So we brought in a new VP and he's kind of rolling out a similar approach globally. And so I got to work with him and see his whole thinking on sales plans, which mm. was different than the prior person I'd worked with. Cause we approved all of them, you know, negotiating things like clawbacks. Yeah. Right. Because from a finance perspective, we're always like, okay, we need to get back to cost of acquisition. And they're like, well, no, but it's not the sales guy's fault. And trying to find that you know, happy medium of what makes sense of protecting the financial interest, but making sure you're incentivizing the sales guy and not, you know, penalizing him inappropriately. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting challenge, especially when you start layering in quota, right? Um, mm-hmm. And you know the the hurdles and the um, <laughs> the rewards that you can put in place really change the way that um, not only that sales organization will behave, but also how they'll request things from other d- departments, right? And so mm-hmm. you know, for all of those listening, commission calculation is a mathematical exercise, but compensation plan design and quota plan design, and you know, creating those different commission plans and the different structures, that's a that's an art and a science balanced into one. Like actually calculating on the back end, that's pure math. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actual art and science is really, really powerful and, and can actually, you know, look at Wells Fargo, it can have a material <laughs> impact yeah. on a business, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I saw some of those situations where, you know, you're always going to get something wrong in a commission plan. They're, they're always going to try to find a way to game it. There's no perfect commission plan, right? We all know that. And, you know, and I saw some things where we got some things wrong. And, you know, kind of quickly alerted the business that this doesn't make sense. You know, this is out of line. We're rewarding the behavior we didn't want. It's not, you know, putting the right metrics around it. And you see that, you know, kind of both ways. It's just trying to find that right balance. Because I agree with you. There's a lot of art and science to it that has nothing to do with the math side. Yeah. And and so talk about, you know, uh, again, Talk about how you go. You, you find a change, right? So you find uh, a behavior that you've un, unwittingly either incentivized or disincentivized through a commission plan. How do you go about 
changing that and and talk about the the kind of change management and the business partnering that we all want to do to actually course correct that. Yeah. So when I see something that I think, okay, you know, in this situation, because we rolled out a new product and we didn't think through it and, and maybe the margins are totally different. So the payout doesn't make sense. Right. You know, mm -hmm. some situations like that, I'll always bring it up to our, you know, our head of sales or general manager saying, look, I was looking at this. Here's what we paid last month. This, this seems like we're, you know, it doesn't make sense here. So how do you guys, you know, how should we approach this? I think we need to make some changes. When do we look at it? You know, how do you want to handle it? And then I'll work on, you know, whatever we need to do on my end, but I always get their input. Like they'll ask me to model different things and we'll get together and we'll, we'll talk through it and see what we, we think makes sense. And, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, the business owns it. And as long as I'm okay from an expense side, you know, I'll sign off with what they want, even though sometimes I'll express, well, I have some concerns. I think that may not, you know, do what we want, or this may be great, but we, we come together and, you know, work through it and make the decision that we think is best for the business. And I look at me as what someone to provide my opinion and to look at things, but ultimately being finance, at the end of the day, if they say, hey, this is what we want to do, I'll say yes, from an expense standpoint, that makes sense. Here may be my concerns, or here's why I think it would be good, but ultimately leave that, you know, kind of final decision to the business. Yeah, you have to put in place the rigidity of uh, the, you know, the conservatism and the, the fiscal needs of the business, yeah. of course, right? Um, but the partnering side that you talk about is, is the, okay, well, within those constraints that we, we have, mm -hmm. uh, and the expectations of us being fiscally responsible, here's where the edges of this are. Yeah. And, you know, one of the big things we do is, a lot of people is looking at on target earnings, right? You have a base mm -hmm. salary, you have a variable and saying whatever that ratio is, you know, you see all kinds of ones, 60, 40, 50, 50, what, whatever it might be looking at that and saying, okay, so as they have these different areas they can sell and their account managers, how much should be toward retention? How much should be toward here? And what, you know, what is a good performer? What does that look like? So what should be the rates on the different components? Mm -hmm. You know, like the sales guy will, the salesperson will say, well, here's kind of my general idea and, Here's what I'm thinking overall, what some of the numbers are. We'll go back and model it and come back to them and say, this looks a little low, or have we thought about trying this and kind of, you know, kept modeling it and then took it, you know, to the CFO and getting everybody's approval to say, yep, those make sense. Let's put them in place. And, you know, and as soon as we put them in place, of course, they brought up a few things like, okay, we might make, need to make a few tweaks. Didn't think about that. Yeah. And, and, and so how many commission different types of plans would you have in place? So, you know, we're, we're standardizing it a lot more now. They just brought in a, a compensation specialist. So I won't be as heavily involved in it, which has been good full-time company. Yeah. And they're trying to standardize it more, which I think is the right thing to do. It's not my specialty. Yeah. The learning's been fabulous. And I still want to, you know, be involved from a finance standpoint and continue that learning. But we have... I mean, it depends on how you look at it, how within our account management group, you know, we have a slightly different one for this group of key accounts and a different one for this independent group of key accounts. And then we have one for our field sales and something for our inside sales. And you may have a couple different levels, like, right, your AE1 and your AE2 yeah. that may be focusing on higher mid-market type clients versus entry-level type clients. So, you know, across the company, when I came in, there were probably over because so many, all those different holding companies, I bet we had over a hundred different types of plans out there. Yeah, yeah. If, if not more. 
and we've, uh, we've, we've ratcheted that down and now we're trying to you know consolidate even more because it gets a little unwieldy to manage that many and that's where I was kind of leading. I, I suspected, you know, doing 54 acquisitions, almost one a month for <laughs> over a period of time, you're, you're going to end up with a very bloated, um, you know, complicated commission structure for the organization. Mm -hmm. And for the listeners out there, you know, there is this ambition in future in the compensation world to, to have individual compensation, <laughs> right? You know, they talk about it in the sales performance management world where a rep can design their own plan. But what they're talking about is some of the variables within the plan. Really, you should have, you know, one, maybe two plans per role, uh, if that. So when you think about the roles within your organization, you don't really want to have, you know, the, the optionality where one role could have eight different plans because mm -hmm. you're just getting yourself into a lot of mess. You're making it overly complicated for the finance team to calculate all that, the sales team to measure and control performance and predict performance mm -hmm. in many ways. You're also making it really different, difficult for the for the reps themselves um, yeah. because they're confused and they actually can't talk about any of their plan structure with their peers. Yeah, I've you know doing some research and some reading and seeing you know some of the stuff out there since I start doing this. I have an experience. Yeah, I've come to be a fan of you know a simple plan with maybe some base accelerators, possibly some motivation in there beyond pay, whether however you do that, you're doing it through SPIFs or in a plan. But I think, you know, keeping caps away from it, allowing people to earn for what they sell and rewarding them for the better they do. I mean, uh, you know, and I've seen a little bit of everything, but that's kind of what I've read seems to, you know, generally be a little more effective. Yeah, hundred percent. And so let's let's talk about um, another you know business area that we always need to partner with when we're talking about sales commission plans. Let's talk about the uh, the HR organization. Um, how involved have they been uh, in kind of some of that restructuring, and uh, and and how involved do you do you want or slash need them to be when you're doing this sort of exercise? Yeah, no, they're definitely involved, right? As you're sourcing people, they're the ones that have to share those plans, and they're getting more involved. The compensation person we hired now sits in HR. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they've, we, we, we completely reorganized, you know, HR as part of this transformation that we're making and brought in some new people. And we're, you know, definitely seeing the benefits of that as we, we move forward and, and streamline the approach and all, in all of HR, how they support people, what groups they support, you know, how they help us with commission plans. And so there, we, we also stood up a whole sales operations team where we had little pockets here and there in different businesses and said, no, let's centralize that. And so there's taking ownership, a lot of these commission plans, they took ownership of all the inside sales. They're going to start taking ownership of a lot of the ones I've did with the compensation person. Right. So yeah. that, you know, that'd be good. And then from a finance standpoint, we'll review the calculations and make sure they're right. You know, we'll review the, the plans and say yes, from an expense standpoint and a budgeting, you know, yeah. we're good with this. Yeah. Yeah, and, and lots of other kind of very uh, important um, topics to keep in mind is the revenue record recognition impact that finance obviously has to uh, mm -hmm. has to be uh, either leading or, or very heavily a part of with things like ASC 606. Yep. And, and, and so um, as you think about, you know, when we started this call, you're like, I'd never done commission plans and <laughs> <laughs> now I'm rolling 
probably dozens and dozens of plans. What what would be the one thing that you learned that you would want listeners to to take away from from this particular conversation, Paul? Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest thing I've learned is just how important a commission plan is. Like you hear businesses talk about it as hygiene. It's a blueprint for the sales guy. It's his game plan, right? You think of a football team, they have a very mapped out game plan that they're supposed to execute. Yes, they have some variations that happen throughout the game and they improvise, but it's similar for a sales guy. And if you don't get it right, you're going to have less revenue and you're going to lose salespeople. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned. And then, you know, the cost of then replacing or, or kind of replenishing that salesperson and the lost revenue and, and um, the lost motivation for periods of time is, is extortionate. Uh, and it's something that businesses often don't realize or understand. But when you're looking at trying to replace and ramp a new sales rep, that's a, often a very long ramping time. Um, and your ability to sell during that period is much, very much diminished. So, you know, I know whenever we're looking at that sort of insight and that sort of value, we're looking at, you know, ramped rept equivalents. That's because it's really important to understand how many people are actually ramped and able to sell within your organization at a full capacity. So whenever you're looking at your commission plan and, and things like that, look at it from how many, you know, ramped rep equivalents there are out there as well Mm -hmm. because um that is a huge challenge for organizations especially in what is now a very competitive market yeah no definitely right now the market's hot and especially you know when you're dealing with software as a service Mm -hmm. so everybody wants into that game nowadays (laughs) (laughs) and everything is a service right and and so what has changed in 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 kind of not only just the you know obviously the transformation, Paul, from, you know, being going private with Vista, a lot of the transformation that you talked about, but from a um, outside input point of view, what's changed in the trends within commission plans that maybe a couple of years ago, you weren't thinking about, you were thinking, oh, well, okay, the clawbacks, for example. Um, Are you seeing trends or changes in the market that you weren't expecting? You know, I, I, I haven't looked much externally in the market to see how they're treating them. I mean, we, you know, we've, uh, we've seen some different changes. We've seen it done different ways and obviously having all the different holding companies. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's always one of those that I find you're going to get sales guys that never want clawbacks. It's like, well, I sold it and then someone else implemented it. And then you always have finance saying, but there's a real cost here and we didn't collect revenue. Yeah. And, you know, finding that balance and, you know, everybody I talk to has a different opinion there. And, you know, I've seen different approaches. Hey, do you, do you take back, you know, a full amount within a certain number of days? Do you prorate it? Do you count it against the current month? Do you take the, you know, the exact amount back? You know, do you do it net? Do you do it gross? And, I don't know that I've came to a conclusion of which way is right. I think as long as it's clear, it's fair, it's articulated and it's understood and the overall plan allows them to earn a fair amount for what they're doing. And everybody's going to have a different opinion, fair, right? You're never going to make everybody happy. I think, you know, for me, it seems like you're okay. As long as you can articulate it and it makes sense and you're 
they feel like they're being treated fairly, even though they may not like it, you should be fine. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, maybe this isn't the best analogy, but it's uh, like marketing, right? The salespeople will always have opinion of the sales plan and of the marketing in the organization. Yep. Um, but as long as it's fair, as long as it's being well distributed, as long as people are are getting what they need, then, you know, everyone generally is happy. Yeah. And, you know, and just like anywhere you always have, when you're calculating it, you have the conflicts. That's just part of sales. Well, but I worked on this deal, but your name's not on the deal. And yeah, you know, you just work through those with the business and business kind of makes those final decisions and move forward. And so talk to me a little bit about how you got kind of that seat at the table in terms of with the, with the sales organization, right? Because when you're, you're talking about restructuring commission plans and going through that transformation, you, you mentioned experiences with the VPs of sales. Um, how do you earn their trust? Like what would the, um, the, the kind of big factors for you, um, you know, leading to you being able to implement some of that change. Yeah, so I think, you know, two things. Within the company, there's always been a seat at the table for finance. So I had it from the start, but I think where I really earned it is I came in and really partnered. So on one of our businesses, we didn't have a clear understanding of a lot of things because of just some challenges with data that we all deal with. Mm-hmm. And there was some stuff, some people in the business, you know, had been asking for for a long time. And I came in and gave them visibility that they'd never been able to get from finance. And that was with product. You know, with the sales team, I came in and we really built out a really good model and make sure I aligned with them on all the numbers we were using in our revenue model and that it could be used kind of operationally and that we were integrated. And, you know, came in and streamlined the commission process because there were a lot of manual things that were going on. Came in and streamlined that. And so I think doing those things and seeing that I was really there to make a difference and be a partner, not just say no, which Mm -hmm. is often the view of finance really helped me draw a good relationship. And then I was really fortunate in that our CFO that I worked with became the general manager for our business. He wanted to go back into operations. So I had worked with him as he was the CFO for the U S for a couple of years for North America. And then he became the general manager. So I already had a great relationship with him. And he trusted me. And so that only furthered, you know, the ability to really be involved and to work closely with the business. So I've been really fortunate in the, the way the company runs and then just being able to come in and, you know, roll up my sleeves and make a difference and earn that trust. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've spoken uh, with, with many guests about this, but um, it, it's, you've got to earn the trust first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you speak about that uh, as the FP&A guy on LinkedIn. <laughs> you know, you do talk about to be able to really truly become the business partner, you, you can't be perceived as the traditional finance, right? Yep. You, you've got to be the business partner. You've got to earn the trust. And, uh, and I think I'll keep saying it on this podcast for a long, long time with all of our guests, like, that's how you can really manifest and implement the change that um, the business needs finance to lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree with you. So, Paul, this has been really fun. I know you have to now uh, you, you have to now kind of scoot off uh, for your evening responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's been a fantastic conversation. I know we, we've probably got a hundred other topics that we could have, could have covered today, but commission has been uh, certainly one that I know many finance leaders kind of have either had a lot of experience in or none at all. There's sometimes often no real middle ground. So this has been really, I would agree. <laughs> really enlightening, I'm sure, for many of our listeners. And, uh, and, you know, I've said it before on previous podcasts, if you want to find out how your business works, go and look at your marketing attribution model and your sales commission plans. And you always find the way to partner with, uh, with your go-to-market teams pretty quickly. Yeah, I know that makes sense. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much uh, for for joining us today, Paul. And uh, hopefully, we'll have you on again another time. Well, thank you, Rowan. I really enjoyed it, and you you enjoy your evening. And thanks again for having me on. No problem. Thanks, Paul. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for stopping by.